Welcome to the Clear to Close podcast with our hosts, local mortgage expert Ryan Bolton and Carson Jones, owner of Team Honey with Red Rock Real Estate. Ryan and Carson have the questions and answers, tips and tricks, do's and don'ts, and expert guests to help explain all the steps needed to buy or sell real estate. And now it's time for the Clear to Close podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Clear to Close podcast. My name is Ryan. With me, as always, is Carson Jones. And we want to start with this uh, kind of a series we're doing on what it takes to become a mortgage officer or a real estate agent. So today, I want to have some questions. We've got some slides prepared for you to talk about what it takes to become a licensed real estate agent. So Carson, uh, I want to also ask you what got you in the business a little bit. So I wanted to maybe start with that as is kind of what intrigued you to get your license and become a real estate agent. Yeah. So I got in at the end of 2017 and kind of from 2016 to 2020, there was a big boom of realtors. And of course, during COVID, it was a massive boom of realtors coming in because it was a little bit easier game, a little bit easier for somebody to just come in and make money pretty quickly. And so uh, it's changed a little bit, especially with the market. As the market changes, it's harder for agents to make money. So people get out and less people come in. Uh, With that said, I I got in it just, I I was uh, in some other businesses and then uh, I can't even remember who talked to me about getting my real estate license. I looked into it. I said, sure, I'll, I'll start start up with the school. I, I did the schooling, took my tests, got licensed, and uh, joined a brokerage. And, and I, I really just decided, I was like, I'm just going to go uh, make this my full-time thing here for a bit. I was working it really hard, and then I stopped everything else I was doing because it took off pretty quick. Yeah, I remember there when I first met with you, you were kind of in the golf business, still mm-hmm. play a lot of golf. We both are, are avid golfers. And and I thought, man, you'd be a great real estate agent. Your your customer service, your skills, your ability to talk to people, I always thought was really something where you, oh, you'd be a great fit for that. I don't think yeah. I was the one that kind of teed it off because I think it was after. I can't remember. I don't think, but it was something where the, it, it, when you said you were going to do it, I'm like, oh man, he's going to be uh, right. just a rocket ship, just take off kind of thing. Uh, it does take a, ter- a certain personality. You're still in sales. You got to be able to communicate, negotiation, and some of your background with customer service, I thought was just really a perfect tie into real estate. So what does it even take to become a real estate agent? Yeah. I mean, uh, in, in terms of personality wise, I would say that's going to be your most important thing is you got to have a personality for it. Hmm. Um, if you have a personality that you just want to kind of sit back and wait for the money to come to you, get your, your every, your biweekly paychecks, real estate's not for you. Hmm. Um, real estate's definitely something where you have to be able to go out and get, uh, get your, uh, your earnings. Otherwise, uh, there's a lot of realtors who will make $0 a year. Um, and, and then they're losing a whole bunch of money because of all the expenses that can come with it. So uh, a personality, the personality is a big thing. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you need a big sales back, background. You really don't. I mean, the, the big, you need to know how to treat people. You need to know how to uh, um, uh, how to manage and be organized with files. With that said, learning the contracts doesn't take that long. A lot of people, they worry about, oh, the contracts probably take so long to figure all that out. You can figure that out pretty quick. Most of the stuff is just about how organized you can be and then how well you can manage your database and your pipeline of people that you're working with. Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, so many people are used to maybe a nine to five job where they work 40 hours, they get paid 40 hours. You're not going to see that in these types of industries. You end up working a lot on the front end. And then when you get paid, it's much more at the end. But you could be working with a client for one or two or three months before you even see a paycheck on it. 
and or other times it can be a week. You, just, yeah. you know, so it, it really is much more managing your time, managing your budgeting, and managing the flow of how the income comes in. Because when you do make a commission on real estate, it's usually a pretty big chunk, a bigger commission than selling a car or other types of sales businesses. But the time it takes to kind of get there is a lot longer, and you have a lot of up, upfront expenses you have to cover before you see the actual commission. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and the other thing you got to realize is there's a lot of a lot more sales in this industry that might fall through as compared to mm. other sales uh, sales good jobs. Point. I mean, yeah. say if you're selling a car, you're usually going to have a pretty good idea if you actually get the sale or not that same day, right? Mm. Even within a few hours. Um, when you're selling houses, it could take. I, I mean, on on average, from the time we get a new lead, the actual. Uh, I mean, the projected average is 18 months before you actually get a closing off of that lead. Mm. With that said, a lot of times you're going to be closer to three or four months if uh, if, it's, if it's a good lead. But, but even but, then, once you get the contract signed, they go out and find a property. Yeah. You know, your 30 days is probably an average contract, least, sometimes yeah. longer, yeah. before that actually closes. So even if you get it under contract, doesn't mean you're guaranteed to get your commission. If the loan falls through, the client can't get qualified, mm-hmm. something happens, and all of a sudden you've spent a month working on that client, that property, and it falls through... You're just out your money. There's well, nothing that you really get back. And we all know, I mean, exactly all the different things that can happen during these transactions. That so many different things can happen to make it fall through. Then suddenly you did all this work, and now you don't have a paycheck coming after all. That's why I see a lot of agents that will that you know do two or three transactions a year. You know, they get the paycheck kind of disappear. They yeah. come back in, kind of disappear. Yeah. So it is something where you've got to be working with a professional team that's doing it day in and day out. That yeah. can kind of to kind of rotate those deals. Like in my business, you're always trying to have every step of the file going at all times. Right. You're, you're right. always originating, always going through conditions, always going through underwriting, always going through closing. You've got to always kind of keep all those going so it can level off the highs and lows of the industry. But I see a lot of people that, that just, you know, riding high as they can get and then as low as they can get the next month because they're just going through those those roller coasters. It's true. And, and communication is huge with you say your lender, your title company, or uh, your inspectors, all, all, all that communicating is, is extremely important. And so once again, if you don't have the personality that you want to, you don't want to be on the phone, you don't want to be communicating, doesn't mean you're making cold calls all day. A lot of it means you're talking to a lender like you, or you're talking to a title company or a home warranty company or an inspector. So there's a lot of different things that you're going to have to do there in order to make, uh, really make it make sense in, in, in general to actually become a real estate agent. So, um, so we'll kind of take you through a little bit of the step-by-step process in terms of of exactly what it's going to take for you to to go from being maybe a, a server at a restaurant somewhere to actually being a licensed real estate agent that can officially be selling houses. And, and the one thing to know is that when you actually get your license, you can start day one. It's not like you have to go through more and more training. You can start day one. You can get someone under contract and you can have an $80,000 commission check coming in real fast if you if you do things in a certain way. So, right, right. Um, so let's go to slide one. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the uh, just kind of the el- eligibility eligibility requirements that uh, you have, and this is actually almost identical to what we had for um, uh, for lenders. Yep. So yep. you got to be eighteen years old, have to have a GED uh, or equivalent, so like a high school diploma, uh, and then you just have to pass your background check. So they'll do some fingerprinting and and, uh, and all that type of stuff, making sure you are who you say you are. Uh, very basic stuff that most licenses are going to do. Like, like with ours, there's a limit if. You- you have a felony or certain things, especially involving mm-hmm. money. So if it's any identity, there are certain things that can be misdemeanors. Most of the time, it's a felony. If you have yeah. a felony of any kind, you can't get the license. Is there a similar thing for real estate agents? Do you know if there's a catch-all yeah. or is it more just, okay, 
got to be a reason why there's a DUI or there's a, you know some other thing that's involved. For sure. So a lot of these you have to, uh, w- when they do your background check, you're going to have to explain, oh, this is this is what's going on, right? And then the uh, there, there, there's a few different associations. So you've got uh, your county board. So here we have the Washington County Board of Realtors. Um, they have some decision makers there. Then you have the UAR, the Utah Association of Realtors. And then you have the NAR, which is the big one. That's the, the National, National Association yep. of Realtors. Okay. And there's been a whole bunch of news going on about the NAR and some brokerages starting to split away from the NAR. Uh, with that said, um, there's going to be decision makers who say that's like, we're going to let this slide or we're not going to let this slide. And then same thing if you ever, let's say you go out tonight, you get a DUI, you do still have to report that hmm. um, uh, right. to to your division so that you actually can, uh, they can determine. And that's such an important part. Next. I've seen so many people with the mortgage licensing, they will have something on their record and they won't disclose it. Yeah. You're much better just to fully disclose it and explain kind of why and how you've moved past it and you're moving on. The boards that look at this stuff, especially on the mortgage thing, they want those explanations. Now, if it's felony, certain things are just, okay, nope, can't yeah. do it no matter what. Yeah. But there's times where, okay, there's an explanation behind, there's a story behind everything. You're just better to disclose it than you are just, just hope they don't find it. Right. And I think you see a lot of people that, or maybe it's way old or they got it, you know, completely expunged or removed. You're just better off to disclose it when you're trying to get these types of licenses. Exactly. And part of that is we are trying to get certain, especially in our industry, when you're dealing with credit reports and social security numbers and bank statements and pay stubs, W-2s, you've got to have somebody that isn't have some sort of malintent with that information that is committed to felony yeah. using that information. So for us, there's probably a little more scrutiny involved because of for all sure. the stuff that we have to maintain. But it is something where I've seen so many times you'll see disciplinary actions where people just didn't disclose that they had a ticket or a DUI or child support or something yeah. that went wrong that they were, if they would just disclose it, they would have got their license. Yeah. But by not disclosing it, they're like, okay, what else are you trying to hide? And it just opens up a whole can of worms. So if we go to slide number two up here, we'll start talking about the education requirements. So, hmm. Uh, with the education, essentially uh, a lot like the uh, what we did for the lenders again. So you start with 120 hours, and this used to be in-person classes that they did a long time ago. Um, in the in the mid 2000s, they kind of turned everything over to online classes, which is great because you could just be sitting at home and have your classes play online. There's usually some quizzes at the end. 120 hours, honestly. I've seen this take anywhere from 30 days to a full year. And it really just depends on how much time you put into it. Um, when I personally took my exam uh, or, or started my real estate uh, career, I was going through school and I did the first maybe five or six hours over the course of like two weeks. I wasn't really going for it. And then something just clicked. I said, let's just get this done. Mm. And so every day while I was at my other job and while I was at home, I was just going through school as quick as I could. And I finished in about 35 days, Hmm. um, all all the class. So I, so it really doesn't have to take that long if you are willing to just get it done. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people and all of a sudden, okay, you just went a week and you didn't touch your classes again and it just builds up and builds up. And then there is a deadline that you have to have it completed by X date. And it's usually around a year. Otherwise you're going to have to restart. And and with that, is there certain categories within the 120 hours? Do they have like a certain amount that has to be laws or contract or do they have it kind of broken up of what that 120 includes? For sure. Yeah. And so, and so you'll kind of, 
notice that there's some categories in there that you'll fall asleep listening to. Okay. Then there's other categories that, that mean a lot. One hmm. thing that I... They do a lot of math. I was surprised to see how is, much yeah. of the math calculations are in there that you have to kind of memorize or at least be aware of. And when you get to the exams, the math calculations are what everybody's so afraid of. <laughs> right. But when you re- really get down to it in real estate, you realize that the calculations are super easy. It's usually like, what's the percentage of this? And it's like, okay, it's 100,000 times 0. 0.03 or whatever it's going to be. But I remember when we did mortgage testing... They would give you a basic calculator, not one that we can yeah. use amortization. And you had any notes that you took, you had to turn in as well. Right. You couldn't take the notes with you, so you couldn't pass it to the I next guy. I think they guy. do and the same type of thing. So, so. I, you do have to kind of learn, even if before they wouldn't even let calculators in, now they at least let a basic calculator in. And it was something where you had to learn, okay, how do you do these calculations on this calculator instead of the one that does yeah. the amortizations and stuff like that? So that was yeah. a little bit of a, of a curve for us as well. But I was surprised to see some of the math that was required as part of your side of the transaction. But yeah. once you get done with the test, I don't know how much you'll even use all those things no, anymore, I mean, other than just being aware that the calculation exists. Or it's for out sure. Yeah. Honestly, the math stuff, you actually use a little bit more because a lot of it is just calculating percentages. Luckily, mm. you have a calculator who does it all for you. <laughs> With that said, a lot of the other stuff that you use, title company takes care of it. The lender takes care of it. Right. You actually don't really take care of that much that you're going to use in school. The one thing about school is it doesn't teach you how to sell a house. Right. Uh, it never does. And, right? and so you've got, <laughs> that's one thing that, that we'll, we'll get to and kind of showing you what you need to do to learn that, of course. But uh, the other steps of the education that we talked about so you've got the national exam and the state exam. So that's back on slide two, I think. Let's yep. pop that back up again. Okay. So yep. you, so after you finish your school, you're going to take the national exam and the state exam at the same time. Uh, I think you can split them up on days, but usually you're just going to take one and take the next one right and after that. I would that. think you'd want to do that pretty quick after the 120 hours just so things are more fresh. I would think if it took yeah. you that long, you probably would miss more than if you just kind of get what, done with the education and bam, right into yeah. the test, I would think. Yeah. And, and it can be a very tricky exam. Honestly, there's a very small percentage of real estate agents who pass these on their first try. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't pass it on your first try, don't worry. You're not alone. Um, I, I know people who had to take it six or seven times before they actually got through it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, what I, I, I did, I actually did not pass my state exam the first try. I passed the national on the first try. State exam, I missed it by a couple, then passed it fine the second try. Um, but once you get that... Then you just do your fingerprinting. Usually you can do your fingerprinting right there at the testing center. They send that in. Then it'll go to um, uh, whatever state's division you're with. So it's going to go here. It will go to the Utah Division uh, Association of Realtors, right? And so they get that, and then they go through everything, check all the boxes, say, okay, we have everything. They send it to your board, which here is Washington County Board of Realtors. And then you're going to pay your dues, which it's usually going to range anywhere from $1,000 to $2,000 a year for your dues to be a realtor. So just know you're going to have to have some money saved up right away before you get into real estate. Um, you can't just start for free. Your your school is going to be pretty cheap, 100 200 bucks at the most. Um, testing is usually free, at least for your first try, and then, then you have to pay after that. Um, with that said, but once you start joining your board of realtors and get into all that and your MLS, you could easily be paying $1,500 or $2,000 real quickly. Um, as you as you dive in there, so one is thing that a consider. yearly thing as well. So every year you every also year. have a renewal yep. as well, right? Every year, and then every year you'll have CE credits that you have to take continuing educations. Uh, I think the first year you have to take it in a year, then it's every other year that you have to oh, take these okay. credits. So yeah, for us they did kind of the same thing. It was every two years, then they went to every year. Yep. And like you said, they used to always have the live classes, just get it done. It was eight hours, just yeah. kind of get it done in one sitting instead of trying to watch slides or and some of the education that people don't realize we have to go through is these very boring just slides you have to watch and read watch and read watch and yeah. read so i try to do mine live as much as possible when it comes to testing though 
that was the same thing. Our industry didn't have the testing, finally did. And it was amazing how many people missed it the first try because they actually put the questions in there where there's some that just sound oh, yeah. 80% they make right. It real tricky. You have to find the one that's most right in a lot of categories, yeah. especially if yeah. you get into like ethics or things that are a little more ambiguous. You have to kind of go, okay, what's the most right out of all these answers True. to try to make sure you're really reading the question and really reading all the answers instead yeah. of just going to the first one? Now, some sections, math or something, there's obviously a very easy, solid answer. But there's there's times where they're putting you in, okay, Susie did this and Bill did this. What should happen? And you're reading going, well, all of them have something in it. <laughs> I know, but they have to find the one that's most right. Yeah. Yeah. But in Utah, they added what they call a principal landing manager license. That I remember that first came out there was a huge percentage that didn't pass the first right. time because nobody practiced for it. They're like, well, I've been a loan officer for 10 years. I'll just go ahead and nail this thing. And people were coming out in droves going, study for this. This They made this it, it, test. They uh, purposely make it so a lot of people fail. So is that something where the broker is kind of a similar thing? Do they have another test on top or another? They do, yeah. So okay. you have to have a certain amount of, of years experience. I, I think you have to have three years of experience and then a certain amount of uh, sales credits that you've mm. built up over your career as a real estate agent. Then you could go and go into the broker the broker school and, and take a broker uh, broker's exam as well. So yes, you can you can get to that point. So you kind of have your agent that you're under the board. Is the broker kind of the step between the board and the agent? Is that kind of yeah, how so, they try to do that? So okay. that's a good point. So uh, we'll actually go to the third slide and this oh. will kind of begin to explain it. So um, after you pass your test, after you get all that done, you're official with the county, you have to, uh, you're interviewing brokerages, you're interviewing teams, and really you could be doing this while you're in school, right? So number one is you're after you get licensed, you have to hang your license with a broker. Okay. okay. Um, now this could be Keller Williams, Remax. Uh, I'm with Red Rock real estate here in St. George. There's t tons of different brokerage. Every town in the, in America has multiple brokerages at it, right? Um, I don't think there's a single place in the United States that doesn't have some sort of real estate brokerage associated with the town. So figure out which brokerage you want to do. And, and there's going to be a few keys to this. Number one uh, is as a brand new agent, you're going to want to figure out, okay, who can help me the most? Who can kind of help me get my career started? Because uh, it so, really is, after you've paid all the fees and done all the it's going to be a little while before the first commission really kicks yeah, in. So yeah. it can be a couple months before you get your first deal, maybe even longer. A, a lot a lot of times people like to say six to eight months before you get paid. Ideally, it should be a lot sooner than that if mm. you're doing the right things. But yeah, sometimes it could take six to eight months really easily. Um, so... Pick the right brokerage. And, and what I like to tell newer agents for this is pick somewhere who, A, is going to have some good mentors for you to to, to work with um, and, and learn from. More than that, you're going to want somebody, somebody who's actually giving you uh, – giving you CRMs, giving you softwares, and giving you stuff like this that they've already proven to work that you can then just take and just implement directly into your business. Unfortunately, a lot of agents, they go in and they're just using an Excel spreadsheet as their contact management, and that's going to get real difficult real quick when you're um, when you're really trying to do a, a large amount of sales. And so your other option, of course, is a team. Now, you're still with a brokerage. So for myself, so I own Team Honey. So Team Honey Real Estate, uh, I'm the owner of it. And then we have nine or 10 agents who are with me at the team. So essentially, I work essentially as their mentor. I give them a, a contact management system. And then I pay for a whole bunch of leads. So they're continuously getting leads. And we do a whole lot of marketing for them throughout. Uh, and we do classes, trainings, uh, team meetings, rewards. So it's kind of a cool atmosphere because you get away from that being a solo agent, just, I mean, in the trenches on your own. So now you've got a team who has sold a lot of houses. We just hit a hundred million dollars in sales for our, uh, as our team's life career so far, which is kind of cool. That's really but cool, yeah. you want to be working with people who have done it before. 
Well, I, and I would say that's. I see the people that are out there on their own. They they have to do way more to keep their business running. Yeah, they have to be the executor, the finance manager, the timekeeper, the assistant, the re, you know the transaction coordinator. They have to do all of it. Where a lot of times these teams, you'll be able to see what other people are going through. Right, you'll be able to hear the stories of hey, this lender did well, this title company did well, or this did bad, or or hey, I ran across this this issue on the contract. Maybe everybody should be aware of. So it's kind of a, right. a rising tide raises all ships kind of thing when you're part of some of the teams. And I think it. Certain people do gravitate towards doing it on their own, especially at the longer you've been doing, the more you feel like you can handle more of it. But as right. a new person, teaming up with somebody that's already gone through 10, 15, 20 transactions before you, yeah. you can yeah. your learning curve goes up so quickly by teaming in. And I, I have to say, I've, I've worked with a lot of real estate agents in town, and your team has done an incredible job of the the rah, 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 the, the supporting everybody, yeah. your little sales training. He has all these fun little incentives to get everybody points. If they do certain things, they can win other prizes. So that's one of the things I think from your customer service background, you've really built a team that just is having more fun than other teams. I'm going to tell yeah, you right, right now, you guys have a lot more fun doing this. Well, and we try to make it rewarding for people because, again, you, you get, uh, let's say you get a a $50,000 paycheck. A lot of that's going to go to taxes. Right. Fortunately, a lot of people don't recognize that. You get 50 grand, at least 10 of that's probably going straight to the government. Right. Unfortunately, there's so many agents who just take that 50 and play around with it and then all of a sudden tax season comes up and they say, "How much money do I owe here? I don't have this much money." So, "Well, you did. You just gave it away." And so the a big benefit of having a team is to have people who have done this before and can explain this. This is what you need to do. Yeah, I know the you just business side yep. of things, not just the the customer a, a, side of things. Everything, yeah. the tax side of things. Saying, okay, now you got to make sure that you're um, you're consistently staying up on on all your on your pipeline and farming each of these people and showing them what it's taken you to get success. Now, as a brand new agent, when I come in, uh, when when I first started, I, I said, yeah, I, I can do this all on my own, no problem. And I realized quickly that you can, but the amount of effort it's going to take is massive. Right. And if you come into the business and you say, I'm going to make some good money in real estate, but I'm also going to have my job in the evenings. And then um, I also am going to go to Vegas every other weekend and, and go party. You won't be successful. Right. I mean, you really won't. Um, that's what I see too. You see people that do one or two transactions. They get that big commission. Yeah. Even if they worked on it for four or five months beforehand, you know, there's a lot of lead up to these commissions and then they just disappear instead of taking that money, reinvesting it back into it, yeah. kind of just keeping the wheel going. So it isn't a start, stop, start, stop, which is almost any sales business is going to have these higher yeah. months and lower months. You're going to have peaks and valleys. And right now there's definitely more of a valley that if you're not setting yourself up more long-term, then it is something where you're going to be, you're going to be months without a paycheck. It's true. It's true. I mean, I I mean, I've gone multiple, multiple times in my career where I've gone a full quarter without getting paid with that said, then all of a sudden I could have one month where I might make over a hundred thousand dollars and you feel, Hey, this is great. Like I'm, I'm killing it. And then all of a sudden you just realize that because you had that one big month during that big month, you stop prospecting, you stop building your pipeline. Right. You have right. to keep the schedule. And if you talk to a lot of the top agents really anywhere in the country, they'll say the number one key is to prospect every single day and find new people to add to your pipeline of clients. Now, all this means is pretty much having conversations with people about real estate. And you will get a lot of people that say no. And by a lot of people, I mean, you're going to get nine out of 10 people that say no. <laughs> right. Or not right now. Or especially not right now. 9.8 right? out of 10 that say no. <laughs> 
with that said, there's there's agents going on appointments every single day, nonstop. Like and I said, you've always got to be working on every part of the business. You do. If you're only working on closings, you don't have anything else once those are out of the way. Yep. If you're only working on prospecting, you're not making any money because you just feel like all you're doing is getting no, 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 no all day long yep. without having a couple. Do it. So I have my calendar, too, where I'm always trying to make sure everything's being touched. Not only to rejuvenate myself a little bit, if you're yeah. always, always cold calling or always doing one part of the business, the other parts get neglected and you're playing catch up to wherever you've spent all of your time. So it's a really exactly. good point to just make sure you're always kind of talking about this stuff. And that's why we do the yeah. podcast. That's why we enjoy what we're doing is because this is this is what we do. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean we do it and we're trying to help other people do it because it's it can be a great career both as a, a lender and a, and as a uh, as a realtor. You just have to do it right. Mm-hmm. And uh once again, when we talked about teams, when we talked about brokerages, I know the biggest thing everybody's going to always going to consider in there is commissions, right? And everybody says, "Oh, well this this brokerage is going to take only $500 of of each of my sales, but this brokerage is going to take 25% but the real number is what's your cap? And most brokerages are going to be between ten dollars to $15,000. If they both have a $10,000 cap, that shouldn't matter. Right. If that matters to you, you're literally just saying, well, I'm not even going to sell 10 houses this year, so the cap doesn't matter to me. You're always trying to cap with your brokerage, so then after you cap, you're 100% commissions. Mm. With a team, people look at a team, they say, oh, well, they're going to take 50-some percent of my, of my commissions the team is also there to give you that business. And that's the one big difference between being solo and being on a team. If you're solo, if you want to get leads, you're going to have to spend between two to $5,000 a month just to go out and buy enough leads for yourself. With a team, we provide you with leads. And that's why I do recommend, especially for a new agent, those first at least two to three years, you're probably going to want to be with an experienced team who can provide you good leads so that you can get some consistency right off the bat without having to just say, well, here you go. Here's your chair. Good luck. Now find some people who want to sell their house. It's uh, th- That's a brutal truth to a lot of people. They get in there, they get into the business, and good luck. So make sure you find somebody who can help you out. Yeah, and Red Rock's been growing like crazy. It's a great group of people in here. So if you are looking at making a move, maybe it's something where you want to become part of a honey team over at Red Rock. If you're thinking about making some changes, a lot of people, as their dues are starting to renew, they're starting to decide, am I going to keep doing this or not? Maybe it is time to make a change by joining a team instead of being on your own so much. Yeah. How many more deals can you close? You don't have to close that many more deals to make it work. So great, great show, guys. This has been the Clear to Close podcast with Ryan Bolton and Carson Jones. Please submit your comments, questions, and topics for future episodes to cleartoclosepod at gmail.com. That's clear the number two, closepod at gmail.com. Or findmyhomeutah.com or ryanbolton.com. Please like, follow, and share. And until next time, this is the Clear to Close podcast. Views expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Patriot Home Mortgage or Team Honey with Red Rock Real Estate. License number NMLS 299717. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.